0: J.D., thanks for doing this, brother. I appreciate it. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. Merry Christmas. There's a million Christmas songs out there. I need to know why you didn't do my favorite, Silver Bells, and what made you choose uh, Chestnuts Roast and Open Fire, which you rocked. I'm just curious how a guy like you picks a uh, Christmas song with so many to choose from.
1: It's tough, man. Silver Bells is actually a really good one. There's, there's thousands of great songs, and like the more and more I hear radio and XM, I'm like, oh, man, forgot about that one and, and that classic and uh, Chestnuts Roasting, man. My parents used to play Christmas songs, like, starting uh, November the 1st, growing up as a kid in Kentucky. And that was just one song that was kind of, like, very mellow, paints a picture. And just, it takes me back to, like, the days with my parents, you know, when we were kids. And um, I've always loved it. And uh, when I went in the studio to cut it, um, I had a couple songs in mind. And I keyed it down to the, to where I could sing it comfortably. And, uh, man, I just felt like I nailed it. And uh, my wife loved it, so... It's one on my record, so I'm pretty proud of that one.
0: I'm glad you talked about your childhood because I lived in Manhattan. Now I lived in Brooklyn. I have a lot of friends in Kentucky because I'm the biggest wildcat fit in the world. I'm obsessed with Kentucky, and so many aspects of it and towns fascinate me. So when I go down there, I hear about the dry towns and this and that. You grew up in Taylorsville, which is a tobacco farm. So tell me about the best and worst things about growing up on a farm.
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, the, the best thing is, um, you know, uh, on a farm was just like, whatever you worked in, you got to eat. Like, so everything grew from the garden, tomatoes, uh, you know, we shut corn, you know, my grandma made homemade apple pies straight from the apple tree and like all that stuff, you know, we were getting good, fresh food. And when you worked on a farm, you always ate good, man. When it was lunchtime, time, man, grandma, my parents, when my mom, when my grandma passed away, mom took over, it was great food. But the worst thing about growing up on the farm, like if, if something had to be done, like, dad come in the house like you had to put your coat on don't matter if it was raining, snowing, sleeting you had to go work so you know living on the farm you're always available to work so uh, but those days taught me to be a man gosh years and years ago and believe it or not i kind of miss those days
0: and i'm gonna ask you a silly question obviously in new york where all on top of each other there's 500 people like you know i lived in a building there was 50 units and stuff social life now listen i'm not going to be an idiot and say you don't have a social life but i always feel in new york <laughs> it's easy to have a social life is it difficult over there to meet up with your friends like i go to the corner there's 50 people standing on the corner completely different down there
1: yeah i mean a little bit especially coming out of the pandemic you know um thank god for for facebook and all the social media platforms it's helped us re- kind of reconnect but um you know it can be uh you know especially growing up on a farm and stuff you know back at home in taylorsville like you knew everybody uh since grade school, like I literally went to school with the same people in kindergarten as through senior year, even into college. And so um, small towns, as opposed to Nashville, where I live now, it's still kind of different. People are just weird, man. And <laughs> you, you never know what's going to offend somebody. If you're going to piss somebody off or, or maybe they love you for for whoever you are. But you, these days, you just never know, man. And I just I always keep my small town trait, try to shake every hand and, and, and be uh, be kind to people. That's mm-hmm. helped.
0: We're doing this on video, so it's not awkward over the phone. You're wearing an I Believe in Kentucky shirt. You have amazing memorabilia behind you. Do we overhype our basketball teams? Do you believe in them? Because I'm going to sound like a horrible fan right now. I'm not believing in this team yet. It always can change come March. What's going on this year? Do we overhype the team every year? Is that the problem with us? I mean, maybe.
1: Um, I- I'm definitely, just like you, live and sleep, breathe Kentucky basketball. I have since I was a kid. Um, you know, you think back to when Calipari was hired. Uh, we come in with John Wall. He revived Kentucky basketball in one season. We were spooled. DeMarcus Cousins comes in. And then, uh, you know, you got uh, the Harrison twins, Carl Towns. I mean, you, you, I mean, year after year after year. And, and here we are, you know, uh, in, in 2022, preseason top five team. Mm-hmm. And we just can't win big games. I don't know. I just don't think Oscar is where he should be. I mean, maybe it's the injury, but I think he maybe got maybe he got a little lazy over break. Uh, he's he just not himself. He's definitely not a player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's definitely doing some big things, but I just think he could dominate. I mean, he's just not. We saw that in Gonzaga. Uh, we saw it a couple other teams. I'm just not impressed right now. And I know Cal. They always say in Cal we trust, and you know I love Calipari. I'm one. Of, I'm one of his biggest supporters. I don't think there's anybody out there better than him. Um, recruiter. Uh, even I mean people people you know heckling for bad coaching but I mean you know you can't make kids hit basketball hit the shot you know and uh hit free throws and hit the three-point basket You just got to give them the opportunity to get open and, and, and make the plays I don't know man I'm uh, maybe we are overhyped I'm not sure it, it just it seems like I think my dad said it best dad said there's not much difference between the top 100 players this year and in this in this time of age of basketball and I think he's I think it's true I mean players aren't like they used to be and um, you know, I'm not sure what's going on, man. I'm really nervous about them. It wouldn't shock me if will come in and beat us by one point on the last second shot, play the game of their life, and beat Kentucky at Rupp. It would not shock me. I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but uh, well, I have faith.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, we're eight and three, but the three losses were for the you know the big games, the Michigan State game, the Gonzaga game, the UCLA game. Those are the big ones. You know, we were shouldn't have lost be, any of them. No, should the, not have lost any of them Never, And and that's what's frustrating. You know, and I never and I love the way I love following you on Twitter, and that's how you came on my feed. You never talk crap about the players, which I love us. And you and I are older. We're not going to talk bad about. But Oscar comes and he, he's a man. Like, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's going to dominate 20 rebounds a game. And I feel like he's not the Oscar of last year. Now, maybe he will turn into that, but it's frustrating because remember a few years ago, a, a, a loss it wouldn't be accepted. Now it's like, all right, we lost this one. We'll get him next game. I just felt the the fan base is like, we get overhyped and then we just get down. Like, yeah, we should be losing these games. We should never be losing these big games.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, I was really upset that we lost the all-time wins last year, that really hurt. I
0: mean, mm-hmm.
1: you know, they had to take banners down at Rupp. You know, it's uh. just, that should have never we, – we should have never been in the position for Kansas to ever beat us in that record. I mean, at one point, I think we were like 15 games ahead. I'm like, there's no way they'll catch up in, in my lifetime. 15 games. There's no way. Kentucky – you know, we win basically all our games. Kansas is – you know, <laughs> you never know. Well, then they win the title last year. And uh, it's like – and then we lost that. And, you know, I just feel like – maybe Oscars made his money. I don't know. I mean, it, it's like, there's something out there that these kids just aren't over. It's just, it's just like, I feel like they don't play their hardest. I mean, I look back to BJ Boston, I would what, two years ago, that kid could not do anything mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. here he is on in the pros and wherever he's at right now, doing decent. I'm like, this guy couldn't score it rough. And I don't know if it's just a Kentucky, just the overhead Kentucky clout and just it's just stress and, uh, but like I said, I've never played for Kentucky. I've always watched and, you know, I'm, I'm the kid that always like every shot's got to go in, but I know it's <laughs> not, but you know, I'm still mad at PJ Washington for missing those free throws. It was going to send us to a final four and he missed oh. against, uh, it was, uh, Kansas state, I believe. I'm still mad about that, Mike.
0: <laughs> JD, who are you guys growing up? Growing up? Cause obviously it's a religion. It's a religion down there. Kentucky basketball. I was always on the outside being a huge Kentucky fan in New York city, Made me an outsider. Who were you guys, who were your teams growing up that made you really fall in love with the team? Uh,
1: you know, uh, Kentucky, uh, you know, growing up in Taylorsville, we didn't have a pro team in Louisville. The closest pro team was Cincinnati, was the Reds. Mm-hmm. So basketball, Kentucky basketball was it. There was, no, there was no Indiana Pacers, nobody close. So when I, when Kentucky basketball was on, that's who we wanted to, to idolize ourselves as players. I love uh, Kenny Walkers, the first guy I remember Rex Chapman. I uh, loved Rex growing up. Uh, he was a little bit older. Than, kind of was a little younger when he, when he was coming up, but I remember him and then uh, loved him. And then when it gets to like Travis Ford. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, the, uh, Richie Farmer, John Pelfrey, all those guys I love. And then in middle school was uh, was Jeff Shepard. Uh, probably my all-time favorite player is Jeff Shepard. And then 96 champs, 97 runner-up, 98 champs. All those guys, McCarty, Delk. I mean, th- those right there are Fab Five of my all-time favorite players in that era. Now, now since Calipari, um, I, I love. Of course, Davis got us a title. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Wall, man. When John Wall got signed, I, I had just moved to Nashville. Uh, we had just come out of the Gillespie days a couple years. I was kind of start starting to throw away some of my old Kentucky shirts. I was like, man, I'm not even going to wear these shirts anymore. This Kentucky basketball stinks. And then they had Calipari. They, I mean, I, I was in Nippers Corner in Brentwood, Tennessee. My buddy calls me. 2000 was it? Uh, 11, 12. 10 maybe it was 10 my buddy's like dude we just signed john wall and i'm like who yeah yeah, and i yeah. looked up john dude i looked up john wall on youtube i was like this dude's michael jordan <laughs> i'm like oh my god and then next thing you know we're signing all these big cousins Bledsoe, and i'm like thank you jesus calipari is the is who we've been waiting for big home run hire kentucky's back and then we went on a run and so i mean i love wall and all those guys but man so many great players through the year that have brought kentucky basketball back you know um I'm not sure what I'll do if we lose first round in the tournament again. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely going to hurt Calipari and the fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know who could replace him. I mean, there's who are we going to get to come in? No, no one. Revive Kentucky basketball. Do what Cal's done. Probably nobody. I mean, they say Billy Donovan. But, I mean, what what could he do Cal mm-hmm. hasn't done? so.
0: We're obnoxious as a fan base. Big Blue Nation, we are. We're obnoxious. You know, people can't take us. But it's always next year. It's like uh, we have DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard. We have all <laughs> these guys coming next year, next year. And as a fan, like I remember, like my wife, I got hard to become a Kentucky fan. And I'm like, we got so and so coming next year. And it's, it always seems like the new thing for us is next year we're gonna be better. Oh, this year we lost three games, but next year we got DJ Wagner. Next year we got Justin Edwards. But let's do this year. Like that's what that's what's hurting me a lot. I feel like we're <laughs> we keep looking to the future so much, man.
1: Well, see, my buddies used to be – a lot of my buddies are Louisville – well, a lot of my buddies are Kentucky fans, but there's a small percentage that are Louisville Cardinal fans. And um, I have a lot of fans that, that are Louisville fans. And so we have a good time teasing each other. You know, they beat us sometimes. We beat them sometimes. But for years and years, my buddies were like, you know, Louisville, man, it's going to be next year's team. <laughs> well, I feel like – I feel like now we're Kentucky fans doing the same thing I used to get on my buddies about. I'm like, it's next year, man. we got DJ coming in. Edwards, but Who knows, man? They may shock us this year. I mean, I think – I think Oscars hasn't hit his hit his peak mm-hmm. yet. Uh, CJ finally hit a few threes last game. I mean, you know, we just we just gotta start hitting the basket. I feel like if we can just hit some shots, hit some threes, get on some runs, uh, dude, hitting scoring changes everything. And we just haven't had that big game yet. You know, maybe we'll beat, uh, you know, beat Alabama if, if we can if we can beat Missouri at mm-hmm. Missouri, beat Louisville and beat Alabama. Those next, I think it's the next three games, yeah. and we're three and zero that stretch. I'm back, dude.
0: Oh yeah, then the confidence is back and we're ready to roll. Back, yeah. One last basketball thing: Have you been the Y yet at Rupp? Have you been the Y for no. Kentucky? All right, we got to make some they calls. Have, I know they some have not asked there, me. Uh, I'm going to make some calls for you. All right.
1: Yeah, I hope okay. so, man. I, they haven't asked me yet, man. I, but the thing is, if I'm the Y, mm-hmm. I've got to wear. I've got to wear a UK jersey of my all-time favorite player. Who should I? Who should I pick? Who should be my all-time? We both got Dan Isla jerseys in our house, hanging. That, we do all the time, looking story. Yeah, and you know, it's a,
0: it's a weird thing. Do you wear your favorite player? You can't wear someone current because we're too old to no. wear a current guys play. So you got to go classic. See, I, I'm going I became very, very good friends with Cameron Mills, so I'd rock a 21 jersey. Personally, I'd have to rock the 21 jersey. So,
1: dude, dude when Cameron hit those threes against Duke, man, <laughs> legend. I went, to, I, I went to. I went to. I went to Transylvania's ball camp as a kid. And Collier, his brother, was on the staff then, and like I remember saying, "How's it feel to be Cameron's brother?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't know. You know, I'm just a middle school kid. I'm like, why did I say that? I mean, he's he was a star at Transy. Collier was, but Cameron, man, he was just uh, he had some big shots, and uh, he'll never be forgotten for that. Let's talk some music. Yeah. And,
0: yeah, and here's how you're legit. Not that you need me to tell you that. I'm not a music guy, and it sounds crazy if you ask me. I only listening. I just ran a marathon. I listened to maybe five different artists. I don't listen to music. I just, not a music guy, but JD Shelburne was always on my feet. I'm like, who's this good looking dude with this awesome (laughs) hair? So I click on you. I'm like, all right, he's a singer. Let me look into him. Dude, I listened to some of your music. You're legit, bro. You really got me hooked with some of your stuff. And you know what? Like I said, I'm more of a listen to a lyrics guy. I can't listen to hip hop. It's too quick for me and stuff. I know I sound like an old guy. Dude, the church song. The people uh, yeah. at church bar- barstool. That was my, yeah. my, my hometown, my headlights, the road I grew up on. Dude, you got game, bro.
1: Appreciate you, man. That's yeah, my last album. It was a top ten record for us. Church is was the number one song for us on CMT. So, uh yeah, it's been great, man. I taught myself playing college at UK. I went to I went to college. I went to a community college at Lexington First for a couple okay. of years. Lexington Community College, and I transferred to UK in uh, about two thousand three. My grandmother died no 'oh two. founded guitar in college in 'oh two. And so I started just teaching myself to play in Lexington on campus. I lived in apartments, lived in dorms, lived in a couple houses with some buddies. Every time we'd have a party, uh, we'd have a bonfire, we'd invite girls over, we'd play music, man. That's just what we did. And uh, every year, man, I just kept climbing, kept getting out, getting my name out, and uh, started recording songs. Moved to Nashville after graduation in college in 07, moved to Nashville in 08, dude. And it's just um, I just stay- stayed on the straight and narrow and, and built fans and, and released a new album every two years. And, and uh, I think every year I've gotten a little bit better singer. Uh, I built my fan base and I made a living, a great living doing this, man. And so, um, you know, I appreciate you saying that, man, because, you know, I started from the bottom. Didn't nobody support me but my parents. Nobody even knew I sang. I just played sports as growing up as, as, a, as, an art, as, a, as an athlete. Guitar fell in my lap and boom, and, and life changed. And so I uh, appreciate you uh, digging into the music, those songs I've written, songs I've recorded, people I've met, number one writers I've lived next to. So, I've got a crazy long story, man. People that's kind of, I've been in the right place at the right time a few times, and and been able to write songs on the moments I've lived.
0: When you pick up the guitar right now, I have no musical talent. But if I picked up a guitar on YouTube, I would be able to do a few, you know, a few tunes. Two thousand three, back then, YouTube wasn't like it is now, where you can go on, but yeah. Teach me how to play this. When you literally picked it up, you just started jamming. Was that really what you were doing? And now, listen, we do it for the girls. Everything we've ever done for girls, played basketball. Sports, <laughs> girls love musicians and guitar and you just started playing and did you know you had it with your friends like dude i think you're pretty good
1: well you say do it for the girls that's a song title bro i need to write that down for that. <laughs> um i'm not kidding dude um uh, do it for, i'm gonna write i gotta write that down hang on one second uh <laughs> for the girls that's how we get our titles we just talk uh, i wrote that down by the way um you know so when i was in college man there wasn't a lot to do uh we all went to class we partied and stuff but um, I could halfway sing a little bit. I, I when I played sports, like we would take bus rides at ball games, and we'd bring a boombox, play CDs. We just sing in a bus, and and people would take different parts of the song. We just love to do it. And uh man, next thing you know, man, uh when the guitar kind of fell in my lap, I started playing. My buddies were like, "Man, you're man, you're pretty good, dude. You should you should go out and play some play you know play in a bar." My girlfriend works at a a, a a Irish pub down the road. They don't play country, but man, I can probably get you a gig. And so. Those little stores would lead me to different outlets. I'd play for, you know, some, some cash. I'd play for some food, and, uh, and just to know, man. I was, I was just having a good time. I didn't care if I made any money or not. I didn't know you could even make money playing guitar, dude. I just wanted to do it. It was fun. Uh, you instantly became the center of attention. Everybody in the bar wanted to talk to you. Everybody wanted to give you, you know, buy your food or get you a gig down the road because their wife works somewhere or their buddies work somewhere. So all that stuff uh, through college, man, built my confidence to really go out and you know learn songs uh start writing some songs and really really try to you know uh carry myself as a recording artist because i technically had recorded a song and in, in, on a campus at uk so i was technically a recording artist so i would promote myself and a lot a lot of times it was just me pushing my own self you can you don't realize how far you can get on your own well, just marketing yourself
0: that's what i was gonna ask you how'd you hustle to the point where again now it's so much easier now you can have a podcast text it to a thousand people you get a thousand listens right there Throw a song on YouTube, good-looking dude, you're gonna get downloads. How'd you hustle so much to make it from Kellsville, Kentucky to Lexington? Now you're in Nashville. That's like Nashville's the head of where country music is. How'd you hustle so much and people believed in you? How'd you sell yourself to these bar owners and these little club places?
1: Well, um, I think a lot of time it was persistence. I, I went to school for a uh, for a web design degree, so I could basically design myself a website look pretty legit. I wasn't the best in the class, but I could at least put, make something look pretty decent. So I was really the first guy in college that, back in UK that I, that I knew on campus that had a, had a legit website. And so I would find any way I could to, to direct people to that. And I felt like if I had tour dates, people would think I was legit. And so any place that would book wow. me, bro, uh, church picnics. I played my high school farm toy Show uh, concert back in 2003. I mean, these are gigs that like were no-pay gigs, but it looked good on my website. I mean, anytime – there was an open mic every Monday night downtown Lexington called um, – it was called Highland Rose, It was where High Street and Rose Street connected, it was it's now a law firm, because I drove back back, going to a UK game a couple years ago, and it's a law firm, I was sad, dude, but that used to be a place where I would go on Monday nights, and I would take my buddies, take girls, take, anybody would come hang, and I'd get up on stage and play three songs every Monday night, well, I would put that on my website, it also looked like I had, like I had a standing gig there, but it was just an open mic night, <laughs> and uh, this this guy would get up and host, and I'd get to play, and um, I would just build confidence. and like, man, this is something I really want to do. And started going back home. Lexington wasn't the best place to play music. It wasn't mm-hmm. much opportunity. There was only two country bars. Both of them had house bands, so I had no chance getting in those. So I would go to Louisville and play in Louisville, man. I, and I started playing pizza parlors, bowling alleys, uh, a little, anywhere that had a stage that would book me. And from that point, man, I started building bands, man. I started packing clubs. And because of that, um, word got out to an agency back in Louisville got me some gigs at uh you know bigger shows. I got to play Churchill Down Derby Week with Kelly Pickler who was fresh off American Idol, like 20,000 people were there. It was nuts. So all this stuff kind of helped me, all the bars I played, all the people I met, all the hustle, all that kind of stuff kind of bundled up, got me better gigs and dude, I just loved it. It's just like you with your podcast, man. You know, you never know who you're going to interview. So you know, I could lead to the next one or who you never know, man. It's just like you just never know who's going to fall in your path and it's just I was I always want to stay out in front of people. And my uncle told me one time, he said, "Dude, you're never gonna get discovered in a basement. Play live every chance you can." And I've done that ever since.
0: Your family, you said they were supportive of you. You're a college dude, web design. Now, like that's you know, on the forefront of like technology. And you're like, "Hey, I want to be, uh, I want to sing." They were cool with it. To like go for your dreams, and if you fail, you have something to fall back on.
1: Yeah, they they wow. were they were mom and dad were mom and dad were pretty supportive. They never once told me to like get a real job. They never said that. They they were just like, go to college. Get your degree, and then you can do whatever you want. But you can't quit college. You got to start, and uh, that was always my mom and dad's biggest goal was to get my brother out of college. Because a lot of my friends didn't go; they flunked out. Um, they just, you know, they they just never never became successful. Not that college would make you that way, because there's a lot of opportunities now. But mom, mom and dad back then were like, "You're going to go to college if you want to be successful in life." And so they beat that into our heads: like, you have to go to school. You have to get a you have to get a degree, some sort of degree. And so I did. Discover guitar while there. And I remember the couple years before I got college, I called my dad one day and I, I'd flunked a test or something, or I, I got a D on a test or something. I never failed a class, but I got a D on a test. I was kind of down. I was like, man, dad, I want to quit school. Dude, my mom and dad called me that night, dude. And they, they basically whooped me over the phone. <laughs> and they're like, you are not quitting college, bro. You are going to go through this. We got you there. And so that was a pep talk I needed. I ended up going back to college. I ended up continuing school. And um, you know, never failed a class, and got two degrees. And once I got that, dad was like, "You know what? If you want to go to Nashville, we know you. We know you're somewhat successful around here. Why don't you just go ahead and go? You can always come back home." That was in February of 2008, dude. I'm I'm still here, and um, music has given me, dude, like so much, man. I mean, it's just it's built our house, and you know, it's that's how I met my wife, and and just it's it's just been it's a it's been amazing, dude, to chase dreams. And, and not being scared, a lot of my old buddies back in school, half of them supported me, half of them didn't and if I'd listened to the half that didn't support me, dude, I'd still be back home, you know playing the pool, it was you know hanging out at the pool halls with with buddies that I would have been unhappy man, and I'm so glad that, that I really went with my gut, moved to town, started shaking hands, started getting out networking, playing shows, not doing drugs, not becoming an alcoholic, just doing clean slate. And chasing dreams and running a business and luckily i've found my way around to navigate it without a record label and to become successful and uh it was social media these days you're really your own label and i've just been uh i've worked really hard man
0: well i'm, I'm glad you said because here's why i admire you you hustle and you're doing 200 250 shows a year and you speak with such passion when you talk about music Music and basketball seem to be a thing, but you really talk. Yeah. I've watched other interviews with you, and you speak so passionately, and you get all fired up, and you glow when you talk about music. Two hundred and fifty shows a year—it just doesn't get old, does it?
1: No, it doesn't, man. It's uh, man. It's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's easy work, man. I, I love it. The hardest part of it's getting to the gigs, you know, driving, riding. Uh, but once you meet people, because you know, a lot of times in the music business, it shows you're meeting people that are happy, happy to see you, grateful to be there you know, they, they just left work. They want a day to just relax and just listen to the show. So you're getting people at their, at their top and you're getting happy people. Now you will meet people on the way that tell you your music sucks. People say they hate you jealous haters that, that come out online and, and, and mock you. I mean, you got to get past that. Mm-hmm. you got to learn to ignore that, ignore that, ignore the steam a little bit. And I've, I've learned to do that, but majority of the time you meet you, you're on the road and meet happy people. They're grateful for your, for your, your talent. And so I think all that, and, and then you, you, you can make a living doing it. It's even just icing on the cake. And so, um, but yeah, man, music's my passion. Kentucky basketball is, I mean, is, is right up there with music, man. I mean, I live and breathe. If we ever win another title in my lifetime, I'm not sure I'll, I'll ever, I'll ever calm down. My, my wife is like, would you just please win another title so you can <laughs> shut up? <laughs> I was like, I know. Make that happen, please. I,
0: I'm going to, we, we talk two things, the basketball and the music. You have such a loyal fan base. Why is that? Is it the Kentucky mentality that they just, you know, fall in love with people, or is it because you're in? You're the most interactive dude I've seen on there. There's I follow a ton of musicians, a, few, a ton of artists. You're texting everyone. You're tweeting with everyone. You're out there shaking hands, kissing babies. That's your personality. Is that why you have such a loyal fan base? Obviously, your music is off the hook. But you think that's why people like have so, you have such a loyal backing?
1: No, oh man, I, th- I think just being uh, real to people um, and just responding to people. I know I, I, I'll tell you how I, re- I figure this out. I'm, I'm verified on Facebook. And so, when you, anytime I respond back to somebody on my verified page, it's a blue check mark. Well, one day I was, um, this has been years ago. One day, I want to say it was Goo Goo Dolls or Matchbox 20, one of my all time favorite 90s bands. I made a comment on their post and they wrote me back. And it, it was, I don't know if it was them or management, but it wrote yeah. me back from their blue check mark. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, they freaking wrote me back. Matchbox 20 wrote me back. And I'm thinking, in the frame of a fan they wrote me something and I wrote them back from my blue check mark it's like they, the official page wrote me back like I was excited so I've kind of used that mentality of like trying to figure out fans respond to fans from that blue check mark because like I just think it means more it meant it, dude it made me happy for like five seconds that Xbox 20 wrote me back from their Facebook page they made like a comment on my like page like thanks for loving our music thanks for playing our covers or something and I'm like dude that meant more to me from their blue check mark page than anything that it happened at that time and so i use that as like you know what maybe i can respond to fans from my blue check mark that'll make them give them the same the same reaction as, as i got from matchbox 20 and so i just feel like being um just being real with fans talking to them or even it's fun to respond to the haters sometimes on twitter yeah. like i like i had a guy the other night <laughs> and said hey jd shelvin your music sucks and i wrote him back and i was like i was like um uh, Merry Christmas to you, pal, or something like that. <laughs> and it's like it, it made me laugh. And it's like you know what, whatever. And you're talking from a guy that doesn't have his real picture in the in the profile. Yeah, yeah of course, you know? of course. And, so, and it's like you know, I, I get a good, I get a big thrill out of responding to fans, and, and I feel like that helps your it helps your 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 uh, your the numbers on your Facebook. I mean, they just they grow. You're you'll get another timeline. So I try to respond to fans, man. I, I love I love my fans.
0: Indiana, Kentucky, uh, you play in obviously Nashville. I saw you playing in Vegas. The touring yep. thing, I, I know it's draining on people. It's fun. Is it hard on your personal life? Those hours, the tours, the hours you do must be nuts. So is that, is that like tough on your personal life?
1: It uh, can be, yeah. Uh, I, I got a great wife. My wife, we've been married five years this year, but dated 10. Uh, we dated five before that. And uh, she, uh, she's been a great, uh, a great mom, great supporter. She lets me do my thing. And uh, she knows that, uh, you know, when music calls, you know, that's that I got to go out on the road. But luckily, I try to book shows that that I'm home in a a day or two, day or three. Uh, Vegas, I'm going to be out there for four days, so I'll take them with me. So a lot of the bigger shows, um, I try to bring them along. You know, Jack's my son, is two. Um, So he's kind of like travel buddy now, can talk a little bit, and he's more excited about traveling. And we have to pack less stuff, so... Um, that, that's my wife's been really good on, on, you know, being a great team, great partner, man. She got a, she got a diamond for Christmas, man. I I had to make her have a great Christmas. So so let her know. I appreciate her.
0: (laughs) Any crazy requests for your locker room? Like for your staging area, do you need something crazy? I I know you heard the stories about the only green m ms or this or that. What do you request in your room? What's your ride? Purple,
1: purple, purple, zero uh, calorie power aids. If they get me those, I know they read the contract. (laughs) I don't need the beer, dude. I don't need the cigarettes. You know, it's like I don't need the I don't need everything else. But I will say I need some Powerade, and uh, we like uh, Snickers, Powerade and Snickers bars. But I will say there's an artist there's an artist I heard the other day. Um, this is funny that she would only this lady would only uh, I think she had not had blue carpet in all her green rooms. Or no. I was like, that's just crazy, man. Like, come on, man. Give me purple Powerades and we got a deal. I-
0: I went on your site, uh, the Biscuit Lounge, 2023 album listener party in Louisville. What exactly is that? And is that like just going to be an awesome time? Because I might have to come down there and check it
1: out. Yeah, I'd love for you to. If you do, let me know. I'll take care of you. Uh, so I did a, a private event for uh, a, a towel company in Louisville about a month ago uh, at this place called the Biscuit Lounge. And, man, dude, it is Bobby. It's like something in Vegas. I mean, New York, Manhattan, dude, it's 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 awesome. And I did this event upstairs. It's like an upstairs stage, and this downstairs is like a lounge area. And we're going to do a uh, – I have a new record coming out in 2023. We're going to do a pre-album listing party uh, up there. Um, place is awesome. I ended up going back to the venue a couple weeks later, going home to visit family. I talked to the owner, and they uh, cut me a deal on the whole venue. We're going to have Texas Roadhouse sponsoring it. Uh, Texas Roadhouse is going to feed everybody I don't, know if you, I don't know if you're familiar with Roadhouse If they're up in your way But they are about 600 restaurants nationwide They're a huge brand And they're, they're going to sponsor it They're going to feed everybody on the first level And uh, they're going to send everybody up to the second level For uh, my album party, full band So, going to do it It's almost sold out I'm really excited about it And uh, this place, dude The Biscuit Lounge, dude It's It's like something in New York City At the top, of like, the, the top of the rock like Where they film SNL It's like vibey. It's perfect for a concert So, we're going to be there february my gosh it's almost here
0: yeah it is I would say two months away bro that's sick i have a lot of authors on and stuff and they have a writing process do you have the same writing process like each day are you taking time out of your day are you throwing stuff in the notes on your phone you, you have a process or just it comes to you and you just maybe you'll spend a whole day writing and then a few days you're not going to write
1: i think a lot of times it just comes to me um i don't i like to write by myself sometimes but not very much i'd rather write with somebody or two or three people because I think your ideas flow. You get stuck a lot writing songs. You get bored. You put your guitar down. You see different things at the house. You, they're a distraction. You, you stop writing the song. You forget about it. But I feel like if you have a co writer or three or four artists on a Zoom or even in the room, I feel like there's just more, more opportunity to shout out rhymes and, and storylines. And so, um, but writing's fun. I didn't start really writing seriously until I moved to town.
0: Album release party. What exactly is the process that you have for releasing the album? Because you probably have 40 songs in the bank the yeah. same way i have all these podcasts I'm like oh that one's not that good if i ever need a week i can grab one out from like three years ago from the archives yeah. how do you think like you must love all your songs but what do you fall in love with some beforehand like all right this one's going on this one i'll see for the next album is that how you do it
1: yeah pretty much man I, i've got a lot of songs i've written uh you test stuff out on facebook lives or shows that's one thing that benefit with me as a touring artist you get to see the fans on stage and you can test stuff you can tell them the story hey i might make up this song what do you think and, I I do that a lot, but I feel like I just got a good ear for songs. Um, Even when I was a kid, before music was even a thought, mom and dad would buy CDs for Christmas, you know, in our stocking or whatever. Growing up, and I I could literally listen to the CD on my Sony Disc, dude. I'm dating myself, and I could listen to like the 13 songs on the record. I could pick out the two singles that weren't even on the radio yet. I'm like, dude, that's gonna be a single. And I I would just listen to the songs, and like, I just, I feel like I've always been a, a good ear for picking good songs for radio. I don't know why. I mean, I've always been that way, man. Gary Allen. Jason Aldean, Garth Brooks, Clint Black, all these country artists back in the day, I could pick their singles out before the, before I, when I second I opened the record and then a month later, i be on radio. And I feel like I still carry that over to my album now. I just know a good song when I hear one. I don't know what it is. I think I've been in town long enough where I've, I've played thousands of songs. And you just know when you, you just know when you, it's like a, a player for Kentucky. You just know that player is going to be good. You know, you knew the Harrison twins were going to be good. You knew John Wall was gonna, you know, break records. You you knew it. It just you know you just know. It's the same way with music, man. You just know.
0: You mentioned radio first time. Where were you when you first heard your song on the radio for the first time?
1: Sixty five South Brentwood, Tennessee exit, three lane or no four lane stretch. I was getting off Brentwood. My song comes on WSM Radio, dude. I was in my white Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer, like both speakers. One worked and like. It was awesome, dude. Never
0: forget it. That is sick. Wait, I mean, Were you by yourself? You, yeah. You, it's funny. You want to be with people, but maybe you want to take that moment by yourself, right? Like, take it in. Like, wow. <laughs> now, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a
1: cool moment,
0: man. JD, I'm a huge baseball fan. So I told a few of my Kentucky fans you were coming on. They go, bro, JD loves baseball. Ask him about Griffey. That's all they said. I go, well, tell me about it. Like, <laughs> send me up. They go, no, no just ask him about Ken Griffey Jr. I'm like, "Well, tell keep me how talking, I can s- keep talking." Yeah, I'm like, "Well, tell me exactly how I can set up the, you know, the conversation. Maybe I'll put a Griffey jersey behind me and like, dude, just ask him Griffey. <laughs> you got the Griffey bobblehead." Dude, like, dude, just ask him Griffey. Thing. Okay. That is sick. That's the dream having your own figure, isn't it really?
1: Dude, Griffey fan, bro. Oh my god, man. Dude, I've been a Griffey fan since the Seattle Mariner days. I had his 89 upper deck rookie card uh still got two copies I actually have it. My, my actually santa claus brought me a copy of his 89 upper deck rookie card in about 91 dude wow i still have it in the case and then let's let's fa- let's rewind about two years ago i had a fan come to a show he's dude i hear you're a griffey fan i'm like bro huge fan he's like i got something for you he pulls out the 89 upper deck dude the rookie card i got two of them they're like 400 bucks a piece now wow Gave it to him, bro. huge fan huge
0: yeah, they were like you gotta ask him about griffey he's obsessed with him like that's so random
1: uh, man i don't know i just love him dude I've, i have all of it. remember the starting lineup figures of course bro of course i love them i've got, I've got every single one of them at home still in the package huge <laughs> a huge fan man i <laughs> i I got to meet him one time at a gig he actually came to a, a derby event in about 2017 at jeff Ruby steakhouse in louisville and uh he was uh this is a true story man i had i was there as, as a guest and they had a lot of celebs in there and uh i'm in the bathroom bro and uh, I'm in this I'm in the urinal and I look over, dude, and I'm like, dude, Griffy's peeing beside me, dude. Come on. And I'm like and I was like, Can you imagine peeing beside Griffey dude? Like you're idle? Like, what do you say? It's like you can't <laughs> say it's awkward, dude. It's awkward. You can't say anything. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna wash my hands, I'm gonna walk out, I'm gonna stand by the door till he walks out. I've got to meet him. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he washes his hands or not, dude. I've gotta be Griffy. I don't even care. And so uh, <laughs> he comes out, man, and he was the coolest dude, bro. Coolest dude. Met him at night. Took a photo with him. and But that was his icing on the cake, man. Childhood star. Met him. Weird, dude, weird place where I met him, but I, it, it makes for a great story.
0: Dude, that's a great story. I guess that's why my boy's like, dude, I'm not going to tell you anything. X about Griffey. So it was Bobblehead. <laughs> meeting him in the bathroom. You were uh- – Two last things, quick. One, how does it open? You open for ZZ Top. How does that phone call happen? Like, do someone make it happen, and are you just bugging out when you hear that?
1: Well, um, I actually played a show for a, uh, a festival that's nationwide called. Danny Wimmer is a concert promoter nationwide. Promotes rock shows, a couple country shows. He's, any festival he does, it's like brings like hundreds, thousands of people. It's huge. I ended up meeting him at a Kentucky Derby event about four years ago. And he knew who I was. He knew I was a you know I was out hustling you know was up and coming an artist had a lot of fans in the area knew I was popular in Louisville. We met, and he told me one day he was like, "Man, I'm going to book you for a country show coming up." Man, tourism in Louisville told me all about you. Keep up the good work. Well, a couple of years at, passes, I ended up getting booked for a for a show in Louisville. Uh, Tim McGraw headlined it, I played in front of tons of people. Man, actually that's the photo on my wall right there. If you can see it, yeah, that's uh, it. And a huge crowd, man. And uh, I ended up. Um, show great huge turnout man um and then like a year later i was in gatlinburg tennessee at a show and i got a phone call uh from from danny wimmer's team it was like hey man um you know we uh you've been approved open for zz top and i'm like what and i was like like the real zz top He was like yeah and it's gonna be in louisville at the waterfront park i was like when's it gonna be i'm thinking dude please don't have a date already booked it was gonna be on a sunday i'm completely open and uh they booked us man and um it, dude, it was, it was, it was unreal, man. It, it just to be with, uh, you know, they sold 50 million albums, iconic. Dusty died three days after our show. So technically we were the last band to open for him. Whoa! And um, he wasn't feeling well that night. They brought him out in a wheelchair and it was a, it was a great night, man. I mean, it was never on there. It was a, probably the pinnacle of my music career. Biggest thing I've done would be open for them. And so that's how I got it, dude. I was in a hotel room in Gatlinburg. I had played a show with this promoter a couple of years ago, liked what he saw and bleed in my, in my chase and gave me a shot.
0: When you mention Kentucky, it's basketball, bourbon, horse racing, you know that. Yet you, J.D. Show, weren't the cover of the Tourism magazine. Is, does that blow your mind? Because when you think Kentucky, you're thinking three things. Kentucky Derby, bourbon, basketball, and yet you were on the cover of Tourism magazine. Is that, dude, that was bonkers, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. I, uh, I got to go to the Capitol and the, the governor, you know, uh, had a big press conference. Like, they made me like, you know, the, the, the guest that day and. They had the unveiling, and my parents were there, my wife, her, some of her family, and a lot of friends, and some fans, and every news channel you can see. It was awesome, man. I mean, I'll never forget it. I mean, to pick me to be on the cover, and, um, you know, someplace you're at the right place at the right time. And I feel like that was one of those moments. I got I, I got picked to represent the state that year. They uh, picked four artists to tell their story, and I was one, and they took some photos that day uh, during the recording, and the photos they took were just Awesome, and they emailed me one day. My PR firm was like, "Hey, they're going to put you on the cover of the Tourism Guide." I'm like, "What's what? What the hell's that?" And uh, they told me it's going to be in like 400,000 hotel rooms, every convention in the state. I'm like, "Sign me up!" And so, it, it was the best promotion uh, that I, that I never had to pay for. I mean, it, it was awesome. I was, the, a, I was on the front and back.
0: It's so sick, bro. It's a day after Christmas. I've kept you for 40 minutes, ready to finish up with some quick hit questions. What's up? You and I are at a bar in New York City. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back?
1: Uh, Jack Harlow.
0: Great answer. That's actually – really? That's a really good answer. Yeah. All right. I approve that one. What product does J.D. Shelburne use for his hair?
1: Paul Mitchell hairspray, purple top. Oh, it's hairspray. You don't use gel or no gour. I use gel, but I can't think of the name of it. It's like tobacco paste or something. But you've <laughs> got to have – you've have got to finish it off with the purple top Paul Mitchell, bro. Have to.
0: Looking behind you, I see jerseys from Shaq. Dan Issel, one of you. Coolest piece of memorabilia JD Shelbone earns, uh, owns
1: probably, uh, oh man, probably this national championship ring, Kentucky basketball replica.
0: Oh, dude, that's a home run. Yeah, you win. That's a home run.
1: I also have DeMarcus Cousins tennis shoes too.
0: Wait, how'd you get them? You got to tell me the story how you got them.
1: <laughs> I was at a, I played the, I played the UK football uh, bash several years ago, and I was entertainment for it, and they had this big auction. And I bid on them. I said, those are mine. And uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. They're actually in my closet right now. They're in my display case, but they're, they're, they got dusty, and so i got to clean them off. But I've got to sign two pair. I need to give you the other one, dude. I can give <laughs> you the other one. There's two of them. They're both signed. And so uh, I'll, I'll, have, I'll give it to you and send it to you if you put it on your shelf. But they're in, the, they're in the closet.
0: How about this? There's a million venues in the world. One venue in the world you wish you can play at. Grand Ole Opry. Hands down. Yeah, hands down wow okay okay yeah. now this is gonna be a generic one if you can do a duet with one singer or band who would it be probably uh tim or girl just do one song with him, right one song i'm good oh yeah and how about this last one last bi- uh, show you binge watched
1: um oh man dude i watched four episodes of no six episodes of jeffrey dahmer sick i couldn't i couldn't finish it dude what why? I was sick. Oh
0: I, it was just, really?
1: It was just like dude I I could get my wife to watch it and it was never it was number 1 on Netflix for a month, you know for several months it, and it's I was intense, like I wanted bro. to watch it. It's intense. I knew he's not, I knew I knew not Donner was nuts but I mean dude it was, it got to where they all the like the abductions happened and everything they went through all that and I was like I had to stop man it was just like I, I just, it was it was bad. Before that was um, we watched it we absolutely loved it. Ozark. Loved it.
0: Ozark. Have you watched White Lotus? I know everyone watches White Lotus. Have
1: what you... is that? What? No. What is that?
0: Just try White Lotus or Sneaky Pete. I'm tr- my wife and I are watching Sneaky Pete now. Sneaky Pete or White Lotus. My two uh, shows for you to watch.
1: Number one,
0: White Lotus, and it's a weird. It's White Lotus. I'm like addicted to. Okay, is it like Ozark? Nothing like it. It's not even. It's no crime. It doesn't even have like a story it's so hard to describe it's like four rich people on an island like on a resort in hawaii just watch it it's, it's hard to describe okay. you, you'll love it
1: okay you got it i'll start tonight
0: now listen not that you need me for anything just plug the next gig where everyone can follow your stuff and buy your merch because your merch you give handwritten lyrics which i thought were the most unique thing on your website so just plug where everyone could follow you twitter the facebook the tw- uh instagram everything
1: yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. I love your I love your attitude, your energy, your background, and what you do, man. But uh, appreciate you introducing me to your fans. JDShelburne.com will take you everywhere: socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I got an online merch store; it will be sent out within the week when you order. So uh, download my albums. I've got I think five out right now. I've got some Christmas songs. It's still in the holiday spirit. If you're still there, um, check us out. Follow us. I'm real. I love to respond back to fans and just become a become a fan because usually at the end you become a friend. So. Appreciate you, Mike, having me on. You've been a lot of fun, brother.
0: J.D., this was a blast. And let me jump on that. I'm not a fan of country music. I'm not a big fan of music. Listen to your stuff. And I've been binging it on YouTube, watching the videos. We'll talk about (laughs) that next time. Dude, it was an absolute blast, man. Pleasure having you on, man. God bless you, bro.